0: From the ruins of Colonel Kurtz's compound, it's the IGN digi Please welcome two errand boys sent by grocery store clerks to collect a bill, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Oh, what a refreshing new year it is. Who sent that in, Corey? I love the smell of Alexander Berlika in the morning. Yes. Thank you, Alexander. Shout out to Belarus. Hope it's not too cold over there. Um, Hello, Wade. Hi, Mark. How Happy w- New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. How did you spend the last two weeks? Surfing, snowboarding, skydiving? What'd you do? Eating. Thank you.
1: What else do I do? <laughs> I eat.
0: And you have given me a New Year's cookie. Is I that what I, I'm supposed I, to eat? I, here? Yes.
1: Real quickly, I'm going to uh, uh, make you eat a New Year's cookie that I made from the um, Bouchon cookbook.
0: Oh, really? From the Bouchon cookbook? Oh, you don't nice. know what that is, do you? I, I do. do you, no, uh-huh. you don't. Uh-huh. Really?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, well, you being smart. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so here's the thing, folks. You know, it's, uh, it's January, February, which means that... Um, very
0: nice. Thank you for the calories.
1: <laughs> I know. Um, January, February means you should be watching more DVDs because the movies stink mm-hmm. until around, I don't know...
0: April, April these days. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: So really, we are providing a service... A valuable service, Mm -hmm. an important service Mm -hmm. that we need to help you kill time until the April Memorial Day films come out. Mm -hmm. That is why we are here.
0: And we will supplement that service with window cleaning.
1: You will supplement that Mm -hmm. service with window cleaning. I will not. Very good. But, uh, yeah, so listen, it's the uh, first of the year, and happy new year to everyone. Happy new year uh, to
0: everybody. Oh, and please, it's that time again. We are soliciting new intros. What? Yes, yes. So, you know the drill. Everybody should know by now the the format for the intros. So, go ahead and just uh, submit your cool new show intros to us. We're going to be recording those in about two months' time. Um, Two months
1: seems like a long time, but I know it's like hurting hurting cats getting all these uh, intros.
0: So, you know, we're going to give you two months to be creative. You don't have to start getting them in immediately, but um, go ahead and send them to us. And, you know... Send them to us as you come up with them. At gods please, at digigods.com. Gods at digigods.com. Email them to us at gods at digigods.com. And please include your name as you want it to be announced as the author of the, uh, of the, uh, the intro. And also, if you've got anything to plug, seriously, we have no shame. We, we really don't. If you have a website to plug, if you've got a book to plug, if you've got uh, a blog to plug, anything of the sort, by all means, go ahead and send that in. And um, we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll feature it. We'll feature it. And we'll don't do.
1: forget, you know, the format is. Now you can uh, figure the format out simply yeah. by listening to the show. But because sometimes we get people who like have listened to like 500 of these and then send something in that is not the format of the open. Yes. So it's basically from the blankety blank location, it's the iGen DigiGods. Now please welcome insulting comment about Wade or mark or yes. movie reference, wait and mark. Yes. That is it. Yes. That's from it. From the blankety blank, it's the DigiGods. Now please welcome joke. Mark and Wade. And make Mark. sure it's Mark and Wade. You're not going to start the New Year's. You, could, you, could, oh, you actually, okay, I, no, can make no. a, I can make a. a, a, you, a you just a tr- made
0: me eat a cookie. That's you made true. me eat a cookie. Now I,
1: here's the thing. Now my <laughs> New Year's resolution, as usual, <laughs> is, is, is is my New Year's resolution as usual is to lose what I call the Christmas five. Yes. Now the Christmas five is the five pounds that you. Uh, yeah you gain during Christmas time. So I'm now trying to lose the Christmas five.
0: Good. So that's why... In the why, spirit of that... In the spirit of that, I'm going to give you Brooke Burke Body Sexy Abs and Brooke Burke Body 30-Day Slim Down so that you can get those awesome abs and your cardio burn tone and sculpt and uh, and rock it out. The one has three 20-minute ab workouts, and the other one has two fat-burning 30-minute workouts for Oh, my for God, way That's incredible. Isn't that great? And um, I just know that that's the kind of body you want to have, isn't it?
1: Uh, I, I want to have it, but not in the <laughs> yeah, way you're, uh, on uh. <laughs> the way you're saying.
0: Now I always <laughs> get Brooke Burke confused with the one that you worked with. Brooke Burns. That's right.
1: Now Brooke Burns has kind of disappeared. I don't know what
0: happened to her. Yeah, well, it's because she doesn't make workout videos.
1: She doesn't, although she should. Well, she uh, she was on the show, and then she uh, uh, she dated Bruce Willis for a while. Oh, did she really? Oh, yeah.
0: Who did Brooke Burke uh, date?
1: Uh, Brooke this- Burke is married to uh, somebody famous. Um, the, yeah. Yeah, by the way, Brooke Burke uh, um, has uh, or had thyroid cancer.
0: Did she really? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes.
1: And in fact, it was kind of a big deal a couple weeks ago or whatever when she, uh, she kind of like walks around without covering her thyroid cancer surgery scar. You can't see it on the box of the d- DVD, Wade.
0: No, no, I'm not. I'm looking at her navel on the DVD, and I'm just remembering how they went to such great lengths to cover up um, Barbara Eden's navel on "I Dream of Jeannie" every week. That has been, and fun. you know, those of us who were, I don't know, you know, six, seven years old at the time, we we just found that to be a real tease. And now we just, we just,
1: you found her sexy, Barbara Eden? And oh I Dream of my Jeannie? gosh,
0: are you kidding me?
1: I did not at all. Are you serious? Not even not the least. I, I watched that show like, oh, it's a genie.
0: You didn't think? I wish I, I had a genie like that.
1: Well, not not for purient reasons, no. But I mean, you know, but in terms gosh. of like that's a sexy woman, not a million years. I would tell you, I don't care. Wow. Not
0: a million years. Okay. She was we, like, Oh, it's a genie. We we are totally different. I don't even know why I'm doing this show with you.
1: He certainly thought she was like sexy. Oh
0: my gosh. I mean I,
1: I'm not saying she wasn't a pretty woman, but I, I did not look at her as a sex object. I looked at her
0: like a genie. My heterosexuality runneth over. Are you kidding me? Interesting. I was like prepubescent at the time and I knew.
1: Didn't I couldn't care less. Oh. Jeez,
0: wow. Anyway, we'll go out and get yourself some uh, Brooke Burke to uh, slim down after all that New Year's and holiday eating. Um, they actually are really good. the The, the workouts are very good. The uh, especially the cardio one, but it's it's thirty minutes of brutality. It's it, it's not as fun as as it looks. Like, we put on your uh, yoga pants and come and do this. Uh, you know, what's the yoga pants company? Wait, shut up. Okay. All right. Um, you know what, Mark? Yes. Let's jump right into the, into the movie scene. Oh,
1: no. I think we should talk about more workout videos that no one will ever buy or rent. <laughs> Let's do that, Wade. Good. I'm it's good. About. It's good. It's good call. I'm <laughs> the TV producer, Wade. I'm telling Let's you. Let's talk
0: about Arthur about. Christmas in 3D. Oh, crap. Christmas is over. Are you really about to talk about that? <laughs> I was going to. Well, it came late. And you know what? I, I mean, I didn't want to make mention of it. Go ahead and pick it up, I guess, cheap on a Best Buy fire sale or something. Because it's uh, – what are you eating? This is yogurt. What kind of, oh, it's that sheep milk yogurt from Whole Foods. You know, okay. Aren't here, you? Aren't you LA?
1: Okay, no, no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. So I go to Whole Foods, <laughs> and I want to buy yogurt because I don't. Because I, you know, really I, I
0: even know that I, I, I eat. You get. Some, you realize there's true. nowhere else you can get that. Is that right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's Whole that. Foods exclusive.
1: So um, I go to Whole Foods and I want to get some yogurt. I'm, I'm eating so poorly at home because I just bake, and that's all I ever do. And then I just eat yeah. what I bake, and I get fat. And so I decided to buy yogurt, which I like. I like yogurt. And so. Um, I get this uh, sheep's milk yogurt now. I have no idea. Sheep's milk, for all I know, is going to wind up causing cancer, and, and uh, then that, that'll be it. But for now, it tastes good. But I, I don't really look at what things cost at the supermarket when I buy them. I just buy them. And so yesterday, I go to Whole Foods. I buy some of this uh, sheep's uh, milk uh, uh, stuff, and this little thing, which is like yeah, like six ounces, <laughs> yeah. it's two forty nine. Uh huh. It's two dollars and forty nine cents for some for like you can go to you can go to the supermarket. get will for ninety nine cents. Yes. This is two forty nine for sheep's milk I only yogurts. get –
0: I get Yoplait for 50 cents. I wait for the coupon.
1: Well, that's because you're
0: – Seriously. She- you just because it offends me to spend more than that for one of those this little yogurts.
1: This is $2.50. Mm-hmm. Now, it tastes good. I like it. And, See, and, and I kind of don't – here's the thing. It's, net, it's like – it's not that I don't have $2.50. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I do. It's like perceived value. It's like, yeah. is this worth – like, I have $50.00. I wouldn't buy a snickers for fifty dollars
0: I, I i come from the uh I come from an era when I lived in France and you could go to or even Switzerland you could go to the market and you could pick up essentially a giant vat like a 16 or thirty two ounce I forget I don't even know the difference uh wh- whatever the big jug is the big jug size you could get that for approximately a buck so I'm just grossly offended at uh, overpriced yogurt
1: i i I didn't know I had no idea
0: yeah. Anyway, Bellwether Farms, it's good stuff, I'll, I'll tell you that. It is? It is good, yeah. All right. So go ahead, slurp it up. No, but if you, anyway, uh, we missed this Christmas time, it didn't come in time, but they they get the new Blu-ray 3D, uh, Blu-ray DVD combo of Arthur Christmas. Uh, I can't endorse the 3D, obviously, but uh, the, you know, this is, if you if you don't have this, it is a fun film to have around at Christmas time. I really think it's one of the few animated Christmas movies. Um, boy, that, that Legend of the Guardians really stank it up, didn't it? Which one? Legend of the Guardians? Rise of the Guardians? No, Rise um, of the Guardians, whatever it was. Nobody went to see that. Who cares? Wow. It, it's a christmas theme thing, you know?
1: Well, but no, it's like it's, it's, it's Santa know, it's Claus a, and the two like Fairy the, the, it's, and all of them.
0: Yeah, it's like the Justice League of holiday fairies. <laughs> the holiday the fairies, of, uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's Arthur Christmas in 3D out there if you want that. And um, a couple of others here that are from Milestone that I should give a mention to. Uh, Milestone just gave us this gigantic gift. And if you're an old movie fan, if you're a silent movie fan, you're just going to flip out at this. Uh, The first one, which I will lead in with, is Cut to the Chase, the Charlie Chase collection. And, you know, if you're not familiar with Charlie Chase, you should be. Because everybody always focuses on Charles Chaplin, Buster Keaton... And on on a slightly and Harold Lloyd and a slightly lower tier, and then there's all these other guys who are amazing silent comics, but they 're so overshadowed by the, by the giants that nobody ever pays attention to them. And one of them is Charlie Chase, who is genuinely incredibly funny, and uh, this is two discs. Uh, some amazing shorts here, and all beautifully put together by Milestone and distributed by Oscilloscope. Uh, Milestone, they're such good people. They do such good work, and it's all a labor of love for them. It really is. These all come from the uh, Harold Castleton uh, Library of Congress and Museum of Modern Art Collections. Uh, also the Stanford Theater Foundation. And this was all stuff that was made in the early 20s, about 1924 to 1926. You get April Fool, The Frady Cat, Isn't Life Terrible, What Price Goofy, Be Your Age, a whole bunch of just great shorts. And it, the, um, you know, this was all done for, um, uh, Hal Roach at the time, and uh, some of these were directed f- by uh, Leo McCary, believe it or not. So, you really, uh, you really get a, a big, wonderful slice of uh, film history here. And uh, I, I, Charlie Chase, just a completely different kind of silent comedy, but just as timeless in many respects, and uh, really definitely worth checking out. And then here's the real gem from um, <clears throat> from Milestone. This is on Blu-ray. Uh, Rags and Riches, the Mary Pickford collection. This is a Blu-ray collection that includes Poor Little Rich Girl, The Hoodlum Sparrows, and Ramona. Um, Mary Pickford, you should know as well, because Mary Pickford changed the movie business—not uh, just for women, but in general. She created an entire type of film: the uh, you know the um, sort of the Depression era and pre-Depression era little urchin. Right, who uh, just you know we, we empathize with her. She's poor. She's from these lowly backgrounds, and she somehow just made the movies reach down to the common person who was paying you know a few cents to go and see the the flickers on a Friday and a Saturday night. And, and uh,
1: she co she co started uh, Universal, uh, co founder
0: co founder of United Artists, and uh, really people forget how prominent women were in the silent era. I mean, there were women directing movies and writing them and producing them. Uh, almost more so than now really we've taken a step backwards and um, these are just amazing films uh, 1917 1919 1926 all really really good stuff um, 1910 for Ramona uh, y- you gotta you gotta get this you just have to have this this is film history and the transfers are just gorgeous uh, Mary Pickford and Blu-ray it's gonna, it looks like film looks how it was meant to be seen so, a lot of great bonus features here as well. Really, just wonderful for the uh, the whole family. Introduce your kids to the glories of Mary Pickford and teach them what movies used to be and what they hopefully can be again.
1: Oh, yeah. Wade, never happened. Yeah, man.
0: Sorry, Wade.
1: Uh, you know, Wade, uh, it's a bad time to come out with a league of their own on Blu-ray because it's not baseball season. I know. It's not just bizarre. Yeah. But uh, this is a terrific film and uh, one that um, co-star is Madonna.
0: I love this movie. I, st- I think this is. I don't know why. Why uh, Penny Marshall can't get her directing career set up again because this is really a wonderful movie. Tom Hanks is great, and, and Penny Marshall just nails the direction. The way the games are put together, and the music, and the montages, and the period recreation—it's wonderful. Well, it's
1: a you wonderful know, movie. well, the reason it's coming out now is because it's the twentieth anniversary. Now, it stars Tom Hanks is a uh, women's uh, baseball. I mean, what was it called? It was called the uh, All American Girls Professional Baseball League. Yes. Yeah. By the way, it was a real league. I mean, you know, it uh, it was a real thing. There really was a, a women's league started by uh, actually, no, it started by um, Philip Wrigley, the chewing gum guy, Wrigley Field it, guy. That's right. That's right. Oh, Philip wow. K. Wrigley was the one who did it, started it up, and uh, yeah, so it's good. And as you know, there's no crying in baseball, but you know what? It's very energetic. It's a lot of fun. It's it's um, it was written by Lowell Ganz and Babalu Mandel. and they were one of the go-to writers of comedies in the '80s and early '90s. So it's definitely got a it's got a really fun, fresh approach, and uh, Penny Marshall nails it, kind of like she nailed it a lot of times during that era. And then, as Wade says, sort of fell off the earth. But um, it's entertaining, it's sweet, it's fun stuff. There's a lot of special features, commentary, and a cast commentary including uh, Penny Marshall, Lori Petty, and Tracy Reiner. Deleted scenes, and uh, documentary, and you know even a Madonna music video from from back in the day. A League of Their Own. If you love baseball, it's good stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, Mark, I got, a, uh, I got a bone to pick here. Uh, dread. I don't know why this movie was made. I don't. Uh, the, 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 okay, for starters, here's the thing. Did Judge Dread really need to be remade? I mean, was the comic book really so poorly served by the Stallone film that we needed to revisit this and ramp this thing yes, up? Into this, what, yes, why? you know why?
1: Why? Because it's a graphic novel. Somewhere down, somewhere down the line, it was a graphic novel, and, and now by law, if you're a graphic novel, you have to be made into a film. There really is, uh, there's no choice.
0: Yeah. All right. Whatever. Here's the problem. You remember the Raid, that Indonesian movie where they kind of they they lay siege to a building and there's a drug dealer inside mm-hmm. and the whole thing. That's what this is. It's a it's just a blatant, blatant rip off of the Indonesian movie The Raid, and it's not done as well. Um, I know Alex Garland wrote it, and we love. I had Alex very high hopes for it. I had high hopes for it.
1: Alex Garland, talented guy, writes for Danny Boyle. Yeah. Well, the guy anyway. who shot it shot. Um, uh, Slumdog Millionaire.
0: Yeah, this thing was. The, I, I I just don't think it's a good movie in any way whatsoever. It uh, you know new guy playing Judge Dredd. He's, yeah, he talks, uh, does the usual thing, and I'm tough, and you never see my eyes because I got this helmet on. Whatever. Um, I, you know what
1: I have to say? Carl Urban. He's he's. I don't I don't get it. He's very affected to me. He's he he, he he's. I see him acting. What, what else is Bo- we, done? We, we, well, he plays Bones in uh, the Star Trek movie. And, oh, that's right. Um, I I just feel like... I always feel that guy's trying. Yeah. He he doesn't feel like an effortless actor to me. Yeah. Well, anyway. And here he's like, he's got the full scowl. Yeah. I'm just...
0: I just... I can't get with it. Uh, it, it, Olivia Thirlby as his partner, you know, we always have to have the... uh, the woman, right? The woman partner now. Ever since RoboCop, right? Right. That's, that's the thing Allen. now. Ever since Nancy Allen and RoboCop, that's the thing. We always got to have the really big tough guy. He's got to have like the, the woman who wants to be tough and you, you're not tough enough.
1: Well, and... because there is no way, oh, that any, there's no way that any girl below the age of, of 97 will ever see this movie. No. So if they put in Olivia Thirlby, who's as close as they can get to a yeah. young It girl…
0: Yeah the only thing I kind of like about this is is Lena Headey because she plays mama right the uh, the prostitute with the scarred uh, face turned horrible drug dealer she's the villain in this thing you know tattooed and and just ruthless and 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 all that, yeah, you you know, she's kind of been on a downhill slide ever since 300 when she played Zeus's wife or whatever it was she did in that. But it's, um, you know, you got a bunch of extras here. It's all just oriented toward behind-the-scenes stuff and the special effects. And and there's even a thing on 3D, even on the one that's not 3D, which is uh, what we have here, the Blu-ray digital copy ultraviolet combo. Um and then uh you got the you know there's also the 3D version of it. Um not great 3D, I got to say there's a couple of moments where the uh, the whole drug thing is is well exploited for 3D like really gives you dimensionality like blow smoke right into the camera. It's old school horror film 3D effect but very few and far between moments like that. Anyway, um yeah, I just can't get with this movie. It's it's Judge Dread is supposed to be a bigger story. It's supposed to be more than just yet another High-powered, high special effects remake of uh, you know one of these tower siege movies, which have been just going on from ever since Game of Death with Bruce Lee.
1: Just watch. Wait another twenty-five years, old. There'll be another one. Yeah, I guess exactly. Uh, we have two movies, two Blu-rays uh, starring uh, it. It boys. There's it girls. Wait, are there it boys? There really are not. Yeah. Uh, this is called the words, and the words was supposedly going to be uh, Bradley Cooper's uh, big foray into dramatic. Uh, acting. Yeah. Uh, well, of it, course it, it, it's blurbed it, it, on the uh cover by none other than <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Hammond from my gosh. Box oh, magazine. Oh my gosh. Anyway, um in in the words of uh our our good friend Ray Green, who was such a great writer and he uh he he, he he, was, his quote about it was something like, hated this. His, his quote about it was something like, "It's a movie for people who, who buy their novels at Starbucks."
0: Yeah. and, he, Ray, and Ray, by the way <clears throat> excuse me Ray, by the way, wrote the box office review. Yes, Pete,
1: which yet, is.: y- yes.
0: Yet Pete is blurbed.
1: How, how does that happen?
0: Uh, well, somebody should investigate.
1: <laughs> they should have blurbed Ray. <laughs> this is a movie for, about people who buy their, uh, their, buy their books at Starbucks.
0: I mean, the way it probably happened was they probably called Pete up and asked him for a quote and an attribution. And that's Pete, what happened.
1: And Pete said, "I can't do that. That's that's against my morals and scruples. Box office has already reviewed this. There's nothing I can do."
0: Yeah.
1: Or instead, he said, "Don't miss it." He said yeah. that instead. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, this movie is sort of too complicated and uh, by half. It, the thing is that Dennis Quaid plays this famous author who's reading from his new book, and the book is a story about an author who finds an unpublished manuscript, right while he's you know, on his honeymoon in Europe. And then he pretends like the manuscript is his, which, by the way, was done much better in Bobcat Goldthwait's um, uh, uh, World's Greatest Dad. Right? Remember that? Yeah. That was awesome. And, uh, you know, I just think this thing is just... It's it, its kind of like just really pedestrian that thinks it's being insightful. And I just think this movie was a total, complete washout.
0: I, I have to say, I think that... Um... It's I, I respect the fact that the guys who wrote Tron Legacy were trying to do something more artistic. Um, I respect that they're going in a different direction. I respect what they tried to do. I just don't think they pulled it off. I think it, it, in many respects, I know this movie was re-edited. I know that there were you know distributor ordered changes and so forth. And um, all of that in mind, I, it just it feels like're they're, they're handling it a little too preciously. you know if you're going to go walk the tightrope you got to run across that thing you got to just really really throw caution to the wind if you're just going to go for it go for it but they you almost feel like they're they're torn between their safe commercial sensibilities and their desire to be artistic and it it mean, it results in a in a kind of compromised film but uh, that's it by the way they just broke up
1: i, you know? I heard about it. i yeah. i work at e entertainment television that's believe right. me i heard about that although i i do the best i can to ignore all such emails yeah, anyway, anyway, anyway we yeah. have one more the the other uh, it movie the it boy movie
0: is a Cosmopolis Wait you, this Just nothing happened To this award season huh? A Cronenberg film You would expect Oh my gosh Yeah Cronenberg Oh it'll be no, Like in the know, mix well, It's just It just okay. went nowhere
1: Well this Because nobody Could wrap their head Around this This thing Here's the thing uh, What's his name Rob Pattinson Was coming out With the, with Twilight 7 Whatever it was The last one The second to last one Who the hell knows anymore And um, at the same time They brought out Cosmopolis Figuring that Hey if they can get A sliver 00001 percent of tw- of Twilight fans to go see uh, a Rob Pattinson anything, they'll have a hit. And I am telling you, any any young girls, mm. you know, figure that, that they'll see their dreamy their dreamboat Rob Pattinson. Any young girls who walked into this film when they walked out, yeah. their hair was probably frizzed out, their <laughs> eyes were bleeding. They had no idea what they just saw. No idea because this is like a David Cronenberg film. It's sort of like what we were saying before the show st- <laughs> Remember. But Before the show started Remember I was talking about how When you want When you're young You <laughs> laugh
0: was too, It's too true Yeah
1: When you're young And you want to see a movie You look mm-hmm. to see who it stars yes. We were just saying this Like 10 yeah, minutes we ago were, About something
0: else Before the show yeah
1: But When you get older You realize that the True vision behind the movie is always the director. Yes. So if you went into this thinking, "Oh, let's see a Rob Pattinson film," no, no. What you're really seeing is a David Cronenberg <laughs> film, and that's a whole other thing. You know. That's uh, true. And so, and you know what? I, I, this movie, it is, it is very typically, it is super Cronenberg. It is just, it is just precision tool for complete mm-hmm. confusion, and yet somehow you know that Cronenberg knows exactly what's going on, even if you don't. And the movie takes place in some sort of some sort of like not too distant future. And Pattinson, who as a very cold actor I find is actually kind of perfect for this role,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, he plays this like this this incredible wizard of Wall Street who's like a quadrillionaire, and he sits in his in his, in, in his plush limousine all day and night and just tools around the city and uh, gets in all sorts of trouble. That's all I'll say because it's it, it's a Cronenberg film and it's just it's just wild and. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, it's a very claustrophobic story. It's a very slow-moving story. Uh, As he sinks deeper and deeper, and you start to wonder whether he's going to survive to see the end of the movie. uh, It's sort of like, you know, it goes back and forth between like very profound and yet just very tiresome and almost absurd. But that's sort of the tightrope that uh, uh, Cronenberg always, you know, always walks on. And there's some great supporting roles in this. And, uh, you know, it's definitely worth a shot if you like Cronenberg and you want to see something totally different and almost indecipherable. Um, it's Cosmopolis. Now, it's a uh, the DVD contains a commentary with Cronenberg where he does shed some light as to what he was thinking uh, in making this film. And uh, there's interviews with the cast and crew. And uh, Julia Pinoche is in it. And uh, Jay uh, Baruchel the kid who did the uh, voice for How to Train a Dragon. He's mm. in it. Samantha Morton's very good in it. Paul Giamatti shows up at the end. He's great. And, uh, yeah, there you go. Cosmopolis. If, you, if you love Rob Pattinson because you think he's dreamy and handsome, <laughs> go ahead and rent it. But you know what? It'll,
0: you've, it'll, been, it, you've been warned. It'll,
1: it'll, 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 consider it your very first drug trip.
0: It's <laughs> awesome. All right, and we've got some uh, Severin titles here. Severin, of course, releases uh, primarily cult films, exploitation films, uh, anything that uh, has a real uh, following and a history and notoriety, sometimes scandal behind it. And we've got a couple of really, really good ones from Severin here. The first one is The Wild Geese from 1978. And the one thing that you see in both of these films is that um, there's a certain level of film, a certain kind of film... That aging stars will flock to when they're no longer major draws when they 're not getting the offers from the studios anymore when the big projects aren't coming their way, when the big offers aren't flowing they they knock it down the level and they'll they'll slum it they 'll do something that's cheesy and exploitative and and a little bit uh, a little bit oh um, that lacks a certain credibility, lacks a certain dignity they 'll throw their uh, their their fame to the wind. But only so much. It's still got to be a little bit high profile, a little bit high concept. The Wild Geese stars Richard Burton, Roger Moore, Richard Harris, and Hardy Kruger. Made in 1978, and you think that? Well, wow! Richard Burton, Roger Moore, Richard Harris, Hardy Kruger. A movie called The Wild Geese. That sounds like a war movie. Yeah, it kind of is. Uh, they're basically mercenaries. They're basically the Dirty Dozen, and they've uh, they've got a they've got to drop into uh, this African uh, banana republic. And um, take the former president out of the, uh, the the stockhold, the stockade where he's being held. Um, it's a you know, it's a rescue movie. It's a it's a basically it's it's the, the, the friggin' Chuck Norris thing. Um, uh, Star the, Wars? The, the canon, No, the, the canon films. What were those? Named oh, they? like
1: um, uh, Omega Force. Yeah, the Omega Force. Yeah,
0: it was one of those. This is that's basically what this is. It's a it's, a, it's an Omega Force movie. Um, anyway, it, uh, it's directed by Andrew V. McLaughlin, who was kind of a you know a really good studio workman like guy back in the '60s, and by the '70s he's he's just looking for anything where he can show that he can still direct something that's sortly sort of vaguely reme- uh, resembles a western. But uh, you know what? It's it's for an exploitation film of the '70s. It's decent action, and uh, it's always fun to watch those actors, even if Roger Moore can't act his way out of a paper bag in anything that he does. The other film, this is a really, this is great. These are both Blu-ray DVD combos, by the way. So uh, if you want to, you know, that way you get to watch them in the on the Blu-ray player and then you get to play them for your kids in the car. And uh, the DVD is especially good to play for the kids in the car with Ashanti because this is all about white slave trading and black slave trading and, and uh, brown slave trading and pretty much any slave trading that Peter Ustinov wants to en- engage in. Now, do
1: they rush this out on the heels of uh, Django?
0: Well, there you go. You just uh, beat me to the punch. Yeah, the uh, Richard Fleischer directed this in 1979. And that was a time when Richard Fleischer was like, you know, I'll direct anything. I'll direct a, an infomercial if you send it my way. I'll, I'll direct a, a public service announcement. He just didn't have much of a directing career by the late 70s. And um, so Richard Fleischer jumped right on top of this and, of course, got himself a cast of Michael Caine, Peter Ustinov, Beverly Johnson, Omar Sharif, William Holden, and Rex Harrison. Rex Harrison. Rex that's Harrison. Ridiculous. Now, keep in mind, there are four Academy Award winners in this movie. Michael Caine, Peter Ustinov, Rex Harrison, and William Holden. The latter two won Best Actor. The other two won Best Supporting Actor. I mean, you know, that's, wow. 1979, is everybody having that hard of a time? Uh, basically, the idea here is that Michael Caine is part of a UN team... Uh, he and his wife Beverly Johnson are trying to cure disease in Africa. It's another one of these African things. And uh, Peter Ustinov is just—he's—he's he, he's this crazy slave trader, and he kidnaps Beverly Johnson. And next thing you know, Michael Caine's got to uh, got to join up with everybody else, including William Holden and Rex Harrison and, and Omar Sharif, and they got to go fetch his wife. Um, Omar Sharif is is really not that prominent in the movie, to be honest. Uh, it's it's really more about uh, Rex Harrison and William Holden and Michael Caine doing this little squibbly squabbly thing. Which one of those do you think's the really tough guy?
1: Uh, squibbly? The,
0: the, the, who, who wants to? Who's who's just who just says kill them all, burn it, blow it all up? Who am I choosing between? Uh, Michael Caine, Rex Harrison, and William Holden.
1: Oh, Rex Harrison all the way, <laughs> My Fair Lady. <laughs> My friend is a badass. Right, please stop talking about this movie. Yeah, sure. Cares. It's William so
0: Holden basically doing his, bit, his shtick from uh, Bridge and the River Quad. All right, wait. Let's, so see, let's, anyway. see, let's move this along. Uh, you know what? Yeah, no, seriously. There's, there's featurettes here. Beverly Johnson, by the way, I, I should say, is interviewed about this film. This had, Ashanti had a really, really um, uh, troubled history, and um, it's, uh, it's a big deal. So Ashanti uh, is, is worth checking out, especially for exploitation film fans, and uh, that is on a Blu-ray DVD combo from Severin, as is The Wild Geese.
1: Uh, Wade, uh, uh, back in the 21st century, Wade, we have uh, Halo 4 forward, on, forward Unto Dawn. Now, yeah. now here's the thing is that uh, there's never been a live-action Halo film. They've been trying to make a live-action Halo film. Uh, and the closest we have is this web series that was uh, done uh, earlier this year. It might have been last year. But... Um, this is sort of a stitching together of those episodes plus a whole new episode so you're getting definitely some more value here. Uh Halo Forward Unto Dawn is any good? Obviously it uh you know cuz nowadays you can kind of re- you can rent a red camera for $50 a year. You know, so it looks good and uh you know it's well shot and there's all sorts of crazy effects and slow mo and it's shot in mostly in super close up to hide the fact that they're probably reusing the same sets over and over again. But um, is the story any good? You know, whatever. I I, I love the Halo video games. Ha- ha- the original Halo was like the only video game I've ever played from beginning to end. Otherwise, I I'm not that much into video games. I mean, I love them, but I don't play them from beginning to end except for Halo. So, look if you if you if you want if you're dreaming of that like you know Guillermo del Toro or you know or or Michael Bay Halo film, this will have to suffice. Forward unto dawn. So uh, you know, frankly, it, you're just as you should be just as happy watching it on on the internet totally. the extra uh, episode you're getting is not worth the price of a of a blu-ray
0: Beautiful uh, Mark, one of the worst remakes of psycho I have ever seen in my life was House at the End of the Street. Uh, this is the unrated version on Blu ray and DVD and digital copy combo includes two versions of this uh, rip off worthless movie, unrated and theatrical, so you get to watch it uh, just to get worse and worse and worse um, honestly you don 't realize quite immediately that it 's a total psycho ripoff, but then you go ah oh, it 's a psycho rip off, and you immediately know where this movie 's going. Uh, Basically Elizabeth Shue Is this um, Is this mom Who's with She's got a single daughter And um, They Jennifer Lawrence Who's Probably regretting She ever made this movie Plays the daughter And uh, Honestly By the time The Oscars are over It may very well be That this movie Has two best actress winners In it Do you realize that?
1: The funny thing is Is that they 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 put her face Front and center On the box Figuring that And you can't even
0: Can't even tell who it is You can't even tell who it is I know Jennifer Lawrence on the cover. So never mind that. But anyway, it's uh, – so Elizabeth and, – and they made this like a year and a half ago or something like that, I think. Um, so anyway, they move into this town. They're trying to restart their lives. And there's a creepy house at the end of the street where uh, some little girl like murdered her family or her parents earlier. And now the son, who was away at the time, he's still living in the house. He came back. And, of course, as the movie goes on, you're supposed to believe that he – he 's keeping his well, yeah of course, the girl really she got away right, so she roams the woods, and everyone 's afraid that you know the legend of the the murderous girl she 's still living in the woods like some kind of feral cat or something, and uh turns out you know he the brother presumably keeps her locked up in the basement, and she occasionally gets out every once in a while, yada, 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 whatever, whatever, um, okay, very quickly, you start seeing certain scenes and you realize there are certain hallmarks, and you do the math, and it's it 's a friggin psycho remake and and there 's even a point where believe it or not the uh, the sheriff takes a tumble down some stairs, and I just thought, "Are you kidding me? You, you had to—I mean, that's not even an homage. That's just—that's just being bad." So, anyway, it's—I uh, I can't recommend this movie on any level whatsoever. It's uh, from Twentieth Century Fox, who, who really needs to do a much better job of uh, of picking their movies.
1: Well, you gave me this for a reason, didn't you? Sure did. Because you know that suddenly. Starring Frank Sinatra as a man who's going to assassinate the president. You know, that this movie, Mm -hmm. as many of our listeners know, was directed by my step-grandfather.
0: Yes, it was. This is my
1: stepmother's stepfather.
0: It's a good good movie.
1: (laughs) It is a good movie. You know what? Actually, Lewis Allen, uh, my step-grandfather... Um, who died in 2000? Who was a great guy, a, a, an incredible storyteller. He met with, worked with everybody. Tells great stories about like lending uh, Sean Connery 50 bucks to buy a suit for his very first audition, and giving uh, Steven Spielberg his very first uh, job in TV as like a golfer for something uh-huh. or something like that. And uh, this is suddenly where Frank Sinatra plays a guy who's uh, who's going to assassinate the president. It's good stuff. Sterling Hayden's in it. Snatcher's in it obviously And uh, you know James Leeson's in it And it's good stuff Now Lewis Allen If you want to uh, check out Some more stuff he's done I'm telling you man The Uninvited is considered One of the best um, Horror films of the 40s It was actually remade A couple of years ago Which is kind of cool A Bullet for Joey He did that Gotta love that And uh, he also has A lot of TV credits You know Good TV credits The Rifleman Perry Mason Bonanza Little House on the Prairie Mission Impossible The Fugitive You know So he was uh, Lewis Allen My step-grandfather was uh, he had a great career? That was a great storyteller. It was totally cool. Uh, so there you go. Suddenly looks good. The uh, they actually wound. Up, Image did a good job with this film. They actually wound up um, uh, scaring up a new audio commentary by Frank Sinatra Jr., which I'd be curious to uh, uh, you know. I, I don't know, man. I think it's cool. Frank Sinatra Jr. is cool. Uh, a new audio commentary by a professor. Uh, this guy Drew Casper at the USC School of Cinematic Arts, and yep. that's cool. Yep. So uh, suddenly, totally worth it. I agree because it'll give. It might give my stepmother a couple bucks because I have to figure that if sure. with every sale, she'll probably get something.
0: You don't get anything out of that. Though. I get zero. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to blow through some catalog titles here and then we're going to riff off a, uh, a few more uh, new titles and then we're going to hit up uh, Listener Mail, a new year uh, of uh, VoxBox. We've got a VoxBox. We've gotten a few over the holidays too. <laughs> oh, no, but, not yet. Okay. Anyway, uh, so some, some old uh, culty classic-y titles here. A lot of these have been coming out lately. Blu-ray DVD combo pack of The Island. Come on, Mark. You remember The Island?
1: The Island of Dr. Moreau. Uh,
0: this is another Michael Caine spectacular. We've got a lot of these cheesy kind of uh, mid-stage Michael Caine movies. Isn't it funny how Michael's Caine career, uh, how his career went? I know. He was I'll- Mr. Legit. And then he started to get older and couldn't get any good roles, and he just did crap. It's like that whole Jaws three D yes, period in there. That's right. When he, you know, it's like I mean, again, going back to uh, Ashanti and stuff like The Island, just like junk. And then all of a sudden, like around the the Dirty Rotten Scoundrels period, bam, bam. he's the man again.
1: And Now he's got a, like emeritus status. It's, he's it's, like, it's
0: incredible. He's the best. It's just it tells you how life goes. It's just it's just like that. Anyway, uh, this is um, The Island is one of those movies that came out. Kind of, I mean, it's a, it made in 1980, but it's still in the wake of uh, of Jaws, and it's funny because here they on the on the on the box they cite as Michael Caine, the Dark Knight trilogy. Like, really, you're 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 piggybacking on the Dark Knight. It's like people are going to going to go. Oh my gosh, really, the guy from the Dark Knight? He made a movie called The Island. I'll see that. <laughs> uh, anyway, no, this is uh, this is all kind of still in the wake of Jaws, and at a time when everybody was focusing on the on the. Uh, the Bermuda Triangle a little bit too much, and uh, this is kind of like a modern day uh, piratey thing, and it takes place in the Caribbean. And not, a, it, you know, look, it's not a, it's not a very good movie, but it was written by Peter Benchley, and that somehow because it was an adventure at sea, and it it had a little bit of uh, a little bit of action, and had Peter Benchley, of course, well in the wake of Jaws, we got to do this, we got to make it. Uh, Michael Caine, he used to be somebody, so let's let's do it. Um, and, of course, produced by Richard Zanuck and David Brown, who did Jaws. So uh, did it behave, did it perform like Jaws? Not even remotely. Ennio uh, Morricone does a very lovely score. David Warner shows up and uh, plays the bad guy that he did in almost every movie in the 1980s from Tron to uh, Time Bandits. But <laughs> remember when David Warner – David Warner was like – cool. uh, He was cool. He was cool.
1: He was he, in The Omen. He got his head sliced off in The Omen. <laughs> And he did a lot of Star Trek work, too. I know
0: he did. I know he did. Like, like, honestly, today, if you were to do the David Warner story, uh, who would you cast in it?
1: The David Warner story? Yeah. Probably David Warner. He's around.
0: He's still around. Yeah, well, I don't know. (laughs) Like, who's the David Warner of today?
1: The David Warner of today. Oh, my God. The David
0: Warner of today.
1: There's going to be a whole lot of silence in, like, the next uh, well, 20 I, seconds. Well, I, I, I,
0: I just thought – well, I mean, I was I was going to – I thought you might come up with like – I'm, I'm an, trying
1: to think of, like, a tall, thin, supporting isn't, actor isn't Alan, Rick,
0: isn't Alan Rickman like our David Warner, was he the David Warner of the 90s? He was the David Warner of the 90s. Okay, so we don't have one, do we? Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, uh, moving on quickly, got a couple uh, from Olive here, a couple of old westerns, one with Joel McRae and Veronica Lake, Ramrod by Andre de Toth, who wore an eyepatch. Um… And you know, honestly, there's just no reason (laughs) to think this is anything spectacular. It's uh, a pretty straight up, uh, pretty straight up one of those kind of ranch cattleman uh, out on the range. uh, We got a dispute, and you know, rustler movies. It's just it hits all of those beats. It's exactly what you think it is. Uh, Very nicely shot in black and white from 1947. Kind of a classic Andre de Toth uh, odor, and then Norman Panama did the trap with Richard Widmark, Lee J. Cobb, Earl Holloman, and... Earl Holloman. Earl Holloman, and Tina Louise in 1959. A Tina Louise who uh, eventually would take uh, Gilligan's Island against her better judgment and uh, never made another movie after that.
1: Yeah, who well, we you know what, Alec, uh, Alec Guinness took Obi-Wan Kenobi against his better judgment, too. Uh, Look at him, made him rich and famous. Tina
0: Louise really, I mean, she was on a Star Trek, and I think she's really, she resents uh, ever walking away from... Uh, from this, anyway, uh, this is you know what uh, this is perfectly fine. Nineteen fifty nine. It's not brilliant. Norman Panama is a very serviceable director. The cast is good, and uh, this is it's you know let's put it this way. It's structured like a western, not really a western. Um, it's sort of uh, it's kind of it's a it's a it's a bit of a strange uh, combination of. You know Western elements and crime film elements, Um, but you know honestly, great supporting cast, and uh, I I kind of enjoyed it on a certain kind of weird quasi (laughs) noirish fusion level. Uh, Then we also have Death Valley really quickly from uh, 1982. This has a the only reason that this is really worth recommending is that it has Peter Billingsley in it who uh, at the time had not yet made A Christmas Story and Peter Billingsley now is partners with uh, Vince Vaughn and they just signed some deal with Glenn Beck's company to make some kind of a movie or something. Yes, because
1: Vince Vaughn is a uh, a, uh, well-known Hollywood conservative and he... uh Uh, teamed up with Beck I I think Vince Vaughn's hilarious I do too I think everything is I think he's very
0: smart too Uh, and then also Sometimes a Great Nation this is from Shout as well Uh, starring Paul Newman Henry Fonda and Lee Remick I love all these old actors this reminds me of how bad today's actors are by comparison I mean come on Paul Newman Henry Fonda Lee Remick give it up that rocks right Uh, this is the first film that Paul Newman ever (laughs) directed actually and uh, is it is it great? No, not at all. It's written uh, by the same novelist who did One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, Ken Kesey. Or Ken Kesey. Which how do you pronounce that? Uh, Star Wars. Yeah, whatever. <clears throat> well, anyway, uh, it's it's kind of a, a preachy movie. It's a little bit like what's the new Matt Damon thing?
1: Oh, A Promised Land.
0: Promised Land. It's a little bit like that. A little bit of a thing. Anyway, it's, uh, you know, there's a, there's a timber community. There's a strike going on, a little organized labor thing, a little bit of an environmental message and all this kind of stuff. And which is kind of surprisingly uh, very much on the crest of all of that stuff in 1971. That's when all, all these message movies were really kind of first manifesting themselves in the wake of the 60s. But uh, you know what? It's, uh, I, I think it's a perfectly fine film. It's well acted and it's got that nice uh, movie star sheen to it from that very late studio period. I'm all about it.
1: All right, Wade. Let's move this along because uh, do, do, what, what are, we talk- are we talking about? That pile or that pile? Uh,
0: you know what? We got. Uh,
1: we should. We, should uh, we only have a few minutes left y- in the show. We y- got. Y- we got y- video. We got video. We got letters. We got box box. We got we a got lot. roll it along. For we got you. a lot. Roll it so along. Let's,
0: we're gonna we're gonna finish off with a little bit of uh, of uh, guns and car exploitation stuff. The first one, and I'll let Mark handle these last two, which are really kind of entertaining. Um, oh no, you got a, you got a couple others. You got to nail there. The, the yeah, never mind. Okay, yes, so yes, I'll, I'll let you blow through all of that. Yes, when, when I'm done with this. Yes, ma'am. Uh, Monty Hellman's Tulane Blacktop is out in a Criterion Collection release, if you can believe it. Monty Hellman has never really gotten enough love from uh, the mainstream film community. Monty Hellman, of course, is just revered by a certain cast of uh, of movie nerds. But, you know, legit film people still don't really see him as uh, somebody to be taken seriously, which is too bad. They almost give Roger Corman more respect than they give Monty Hellman. Anyway, Tulane Blacktop, come on. James Taylor. James Taylor acts James in this Taylor. movie. James Taylor? He acts in this movie, along with Warren Oates, who's just always terrific. And uh, it's a drag racing movie, for crying out loud. And they're the uh, the driver and the mechanic for this thing, a 55 Chevy. But it's... Um it's more than just a kind of more serious version of the, uh, the cannonball run, which is how some people have described it. It really is. It's a, it's a movie that's all kind of captures the zeitgeist of a time and a place and a sensibility, and it's really terrific. This is also made in 1971, and I remember 1971, and this movie just is a snapshot of that time like nobody's business. Two commentaries on here, uh, one with Monty Hellman and Alison Anders, who I just adore, not just because she's a UCLA grad, but, you know, she's a great filmmaker. Uh, that's a wonderful, wonderful commentary. And then the other one is with uh, screenwriter Rudy Wurlitzer and uh, author David N. Meyer, which is a little bit less interesting. bunch of interviews here, including with James Taylor and Chris Christopherson, who did the music, and um, it's just great. It's just really, really great. I uh, I think the world of this movie. I I do, and I'm so glad. It's a really terrific uh, Criterion uh, Blu-ray transfer. You can also get it in DVD. Um, it's restored just exactly the way that it needs to be. There was once a DVD special edition of this thing that came in a in a tin. It was an Anchor Bay release. They did a number of limited re- editions of it. Um, I know a lot of people bought that at the time, thinking this is going to be worth something get rid of it it it's not it's not worth anything you're you're limited uh, one of 20,000 uh it's going to be on you might as well put that out for like a garage sale it's not worth anything get rid of it pick up this blu-ray you'd be glad you did
1: uh, two go nowhere releases from Universal. Um, one is a terrible film called Guns, Girls, and Gambling, which is what happens when you realize that your movie sucks. And if you can put as many like buzzword words into your title that maybe somebody will stop and rent it. Oh, it's got guns. I love guns. It's got girls. I love girls. It's got gambling. It's got. I love gambling. It's got all three. I'm going to rent Gun, Girls, and Gambling. Well, this is a total mishmash of uh, you know Tarantino style violence and double crosses, and uh, you know it's just terrible. It's got a good cast though. It's got. Uh, Christian Slater and Dane Cook and Gary Oldman dressed as Elvis, which is just ridiculous. Chris Kattan's also in this. uh, So you know it's good because Chris Kattan's in it. By the way, Tony Cox is in this, who's the African-American short person. And, by, and I don't know what to call him. Who knows? You know, gods, Digigods.com, you can complain. Um, and by the, the way... African-American
0: short person. Exactly.
1: So by the way, Tony Cox's greatest performance, Bad Santa. I don't care if it's, if it's December or not, go rent Bad Santa. Anyway, Guns Girls and uh, Gambling's terrible. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, recommend a film called Hit and Run, which went absolutely nowhere. Seriously, this uh, is yes. good. Yes, it wow. is cute. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, it, it's it's got it's got good stuff in it. I had no idea. Yes, it is uh, co-directed by David Palmer and Dax Shepard, the actor. It stars Kristen Bell, Dax Shepard, Kristen Chenoweth, and Tom Arnold, who I always find entertaining.
0: I thought it was just like a Dax Shepard home movie. That nope. he, and, and you know he and Kristen Bell are expecting a child.
1: They are. Yeah. I, you know what? There's something about Kristen Bell where like she's very beautiful, but she gives off no like heat. Like I don't
0: want to. She's not America's sweetheart.
1: She's not. She does. She doesn't give up. Give up a lot of warmth. Anyway, uh, I thought this film, had it's very hit and miss, but it's a road trip movie, and it's got a lot of action-packed uh, laughs in it, and uh, I, I like it. Hit and Run is a cool little movie. Again, it's not uh, Gone with the Wind, but um, it's got a certain amount of charm. It's got a certain amount of goofiness. It's almost like um, it's got a little smoking the Bandit in it. It's pretty entertaining. It's got some good cameos, and uh, again, hit and miss, not the greatest thing ever, but uh, for a movie that went nowhere, it deserved a little bit better. Uh, hit and Run. Wade. Now also, as we blow through this, because we have all sorts of other stuff to talk about in the few minutes we have left, we have uh, Why Stop Now, an annoying uh, comedy with uh, Jesse Eisenberg, who I do always find annoying, except for uh, Social Network, which I loved him in. It's one of those movies where it's like it's based on a short film. And it has one of those high concept premises that once you get past the high concept premise, you realize that they're just tap dancing till the end. There's this young kid. He's a piano prodigy. He's in college. He hates his mother because his mother is a drug addict. And the drug addict made this kid take care of his little sister for his mm, whole life. Yes. So the, the, the college kid wants to drop his mother off in a, uh, in a, in a rehab facility to finally clean up her life. Oh, However, the rehab facility will not take her unless she tests positive for drugs. There so they know. hit the road to go find her some drugs so she can then test positive and be admitted to a rehab facility. Craziness ensues. The only funny <laughs> thing in this movie is the drug dealer is played by Tracy Morgan who clearly doesn't care, but because he's Tracy Morgan, it's funny. Anyway, moving <laughs> along, we have... Uh, I'm going fast, folks. This is um, Heavyweights. The heavyweights is from... Uh, like, oh, jeez. 95. Uh, By the way, on the, on, uh, it's funny because on the DVD box it says, it features a new digital restoration.
0: Uh-huh. That's great. <laughs>
1: like, it's to me, movie. digital restoration is like, that's, that's why you buy Lawrence of Arabia.
0: Boy, that needed to be restored.
1: <laughs> anyway, the film is about... Uh, uh, you know what? I, I have to say that um, I, I, I do find... Um, Ben Stiller funny in the right role. This is also an early uh, Judd Apatow co-written script, and he was also an EP on it. So this, if you like the Apatow thing, you might get some some laughs out of it. But it's again, this is not vintage Apatow. He wouldn't come into his own until obviously later. This is 1995, and um, basically, it's a summer camp uh, that is for. Uh, it's run by a fitness fanatic, and a bunch of fat kids have to get uh, thin. Boy, did I make that fast! Boy, you not did. funny by the way. Not funny. Not worth it. Plenty of other uh, uh, Ben Stiller stuff to rent and plenty of other better Judd Apatow stuff to rent.
0: Uh, We're going to blow through some listener mail, then do a Voxbox, and then wrap the show up. Uh, Email from Chris. The research I've done, Paramount has no intentions of ever releasing the entire Friday the 13th movie series on Blu-ray. Uh, It's a guilty pleasure. I know it's cheesy, but due to poor sales apparently from the first three, now a couple of days ago I read that Warner has bought the series from Paramount. Is this true? Can we expect a box set or at least single releases? And I I, I gotta say, I have no idea. Um, The history of this thing on on rights is is kind of weird. Uh, Warner Brothers... eventually puts everything out on blu-ray so i would say now that warner brothers has it because the new line i won't get into the rights history of this thing it's but it's very very crazy it's it's a you know new line had the rights to some and and uh paramount had the rights to the others anyway uh so it's all under the warner umbrella now and i i would say probably sometime this year we can expect it uh on blu-ray i would imagine tied in with something else so you know warner brothers has a history of doing that uh, and then, uh, Kyle Stevens writes this and says, the Star's original series Spartacus best show on TV. Any show that can have that much violence, that much sex, that much foul language and still take a back seat to plot and script is brilliant. Uh, I contest none of the vulgarity is gratuitous. Establishes setting and character. It's amazing. I'm not going to argue with Kyle. He's, uh, he's got taste uh from adam ballard greetings marks and wade sure this has been asked a million times but what is your viewing weekly viewing schedule like between reviewing dvds and blu-rays for the podcast new films reviews and the upcoming award season uh it seems like you would have time for little else any insight thanks for all the great work and for the input on the facebook page mark what's your week like
1: uh well here's my insight my insight my insight is i'm a single man (laughs) That's my insight. Uh,
0: here, here, here's my insight. I'm a married man, but I, my wife is a, is a widow, especially on weeks when I, uh, I have to do radio. Unfortunately, I'm not doing radio for a little while now. It's, it's a nice respite, especially after award season, January, February, not a lot to see. But uh, there are, uh, truly, there are radio weeks for me uh, are just oppressive. And it is, it literally is turn the TV on, sit there and stare at it all day long. And I usually fall asleep watching something around two in the morning that I I just can't keep my eyes open anymore. And then I'll wake up at five and try to watch the last half of it. You know, it just, it really is insane. And then I just sleep until noon on Saturday. It's horrible. Um, it's busy. I mean, some weeks are better than others, but, you know, it's busy. But, I look, I could be stuck in a cubicle doing running spreadsheets on, uh, you know, water main breakage rates. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, but you'd make more
1: money if you did that. <laughs> That's
0: probably true. Uh, Eric Altieri writes this and says, uh, Can't remember if you talked about it on the show or not, but I've been watching this on Netflix, and it's pretty great. Have you heard of it? And what he's talking about is... A series that was not sent to us on DVD. It's the story of film, and odyssey, which uh, we got some links to. No, my... I
1: watched that on Netflix. Did you watch the whole thing? Yeah, I, uh, I, watched,
0: I... I watched a bunch of pieces of it. Did you get through the whole thing?
1: Well, no, because I can't stand that guy's voice. Okay. I, I, here's the thing. The, the, the information and, the way, and uh, the way it's constructed and the amount of uh, vintage footage he has, all that stuff is pretty great, but you've got to buy the voiceover. Because the guy who voices over it, and the script, by the way, the narration script, it, it, it's really one of those love it or hate it sort of things. It's just – I just – I uh, for the first five minutes, I'm like, is it going to be 13 hours of this guy talking like this, reading from this script? Because I'm going to kill yes. myself. Yes, it is. And it winds up – but the thing is that uh, it's too bad because otherwise it's fairly definitive as these things go because, I mean, it is good. I just can't stand him or the yeah. script.
2: yeah.
0: Uh, Axel Peronio, long-time listener, Axel uh, writes. Axel,
1: does anyone call you Noodle Ronio? Remember those uh, those uh, uh, no, those Noodle Ronio commercials where he's go Noodle Ronio?
0: No, no, Noodle Ronio. Uh, he says, "Wishing you the best for 2013, Mark. May you find the love of your dreams, who you may take the form of a beautiful moviegoer, single French chef. We have plenty- oh,
1: and I just made fun of him <laughs> after he said says, that nice thing. He says we
0: have plenty of them here in France. Uh, Wade, you may find the courage to watch the next Zack Snyder project. Tell us what you think of it." As for me, I'm building a new home with a brand new home theater in it. And I have a question for you, or maybe more of a thought to share. I've been wondering if Blu-ray would kill Dolby Digital as a high-end sounds uh, codec. Uh, DTS and uh, DTS HD Master Audio has become an implicit reference on Blu-ray. Even tough Dolby True HD... Or even sorry, even though Dolby true HD provides the same quality, those tracks have become rare with any new title uh, with ev- any new title advertised. Think of the Transformer movie for example, looks like Dolby as a Home theater Codex is silently shifting to streaming HDTV and leaving physical media in general um, the uh I, I don't think you ever should write off Dolby. Dolby is a an enormously successful company. They have a lot of weight in uh, in the entertainment business.
1: They, they, uh, they just bought the Oscar theater.
0: They just bought the Oscar theater, and there's a whole new Dolby process that is being rolled out in movies. Um, Dolby is always going to be a player e- in any medium. So I wouldn't. They would Dolby abdicating the, uh, the the packaged media format to DTS. We just. It's not even in their in their mindset. So never write out Dolby. Dolby will always come back with something bigger and better and more powerful. And then lastly, uh, Taryn Von Neeson says, I uh, just wanted to offer a counter-opinion to anyone obnoxious enough to write in and tell you what they uh, want you to talk about. You guys always suggest so many great movie titles for me to check out. Uh, this is the only movie re- review show where I also get ideas on what kinds of snacks I could make to enjoy the movies I watch.
1: I've yeah. Already, I've
0: already made my own homemade Pop-Tarts with jam instead of I, I can't
1: of believe that. It's fantastic.
0: Pot de creme. And now I'm eager to try my own version of a chocolate cherry scone. Uh, Wade trying Mark's latest creation is my favorite part of the show it's your personalities that make this podcast such a pleasure to listen to and I hope that you continue to do it your way Uh, Taryn in Vancouver and and P.S. she says I also like when you talk about Star Trek and was wondering uh, what you think about Star Trek Into Darkness apparently being a remake slash reboot of Wrath of Khan especially considering that Chris Pine is playing a young Kirk now
1: hang on Wade before we do that I'm doing this I went on YouTube while you were reading that and I looked up an old commercial for Noodle Rony. here it is let's see if I can get this to be audible. It's made with golden egg noodles blend Parmesan Romano You're out of your mind.
0: I have no idea what that is.
1: Yeah, that was the song, Noodle Roni, a bit of old Italy. Wow. Do you remember that? No. You no. thought I was crazy when I when I, I sang thought you, that. Noodle Roni, Parmigiana a bit of old Italy. Uh, Wade. Really? Fine. Axel Peroni. Noodle-roni. Cronio. I know, but it, that doesn't yeah. line with Noodle-roni. Fine. In anyway.
0: your face, Major. I got it. Is it a remake of Khan? Is it a remake of uh, well, Where where Man uh, nobody Has Before? nobody
1: seems to know. Uh, J.J. is being incredibly, unbelievably secretive and coy. I mean, we're talking non-disclosure agreements. Is it a remake agreements. of
0: Trouble with the Tribbles? <laughs> exactly. Wouldn't it be great if it were?
1: It's actually a remake of, of, of his Star Trek. <laughs> it's, the, it's a remake <laughs> of the first one he did. <laughs> um, <laughs> That would be nobody, awesome. nobody seems to know. I, I just know that the character's <laughs> name is John Harrison, Benedict Cumberbatch's name, and John yeah. Harrison sounds like it sounds like one, one, one of those made up names yeah. that you are using to hide his real name because yeah. you don't want it to get out. Yeah. We, we don't know. Nobody knows, and the the only person who knows who doesn't work for the production is the forty one year old dying of leukemia who J.J. screened the movie for. Did you hear this? No. J.J. – so get this. J.J. – and then we really have to go. But um, uh, J.J. gets this uh, tweet – I think it was a tweet – from the wife of a guy who is dying from leukemia. No BS. He is dying from leukemia, and his final wish is to see Star Trek Into Darkness. So this gets back to J.J. And J.J. presumably checks it out, and he decides that even though the movie is incomplete – and even though the guy may be disappointed because the movie's incomplete, he decided to show this dying 41-year-old leukemia patient Star Trek Into Darkness. Now, I don't know where it took place. J.J., thankfully, respectfully, uh, has been very silent about this. He hasn't talked about it. Not a lot of people know about this. It's kind of out there. But, um the uh, the guy did see Star Trek Into Darkness as his final dying wish and he said he was quote satisfied 110% and loved the movie and so only he knows whether John Harrison is John Harrison or John Harrison is Khan or John Harrison is Gary Mitchell don't know John Harrison by the way could, right. be, could be Wade Major don't
0: know alright okay exactly alright time now for the Vox Box Mark <gasps> give it to us can I sing the song sing the song <laughs>
2: Hey, DigiGods, I know you guys have been asking for a Vox Box for a while, so I figured I'd record one. Uh, I'm Billy Milby from Perry, Georgia. Uh, I'm actually doing that Muse Theater restoration. Um, anyway, so my question is about rental discs uh, and kind of the differences between them and their retail counterparts. Um, up until a couple weeks ago, I was okay with them because mostly they would just load them down with unskippable trailers or stuff like that. That's totally fine because, you know, they want to make a few extra advertising dollars off of me, and I understand that. Um, But a couple weeks ago, I rented Moonrise Kingdom from Netflix. And of course, you're probably saying I should have bought it anyway, so I get that. But I rented it, and there were no special features. Um, They were there, but when you clicked on them, it said, oh, you have to buy the retail desk. And you know, that bothered me, but you know, the movie was still the movie, so I was okay. Um, and then just a week ago, I got The Expendables 2 on Blu-ray, and um, that one was a little different. I have a full 7.1 surround sound and really like to utilize it. Um, and that soundtrack is a 7.1 M A H D or whatever. and that was not what was on the rental disc. It was a 5.1 Dolby digital lossy track, and I was very, very disappointed. Um, I was really looking forward to hearing it in 7.1. Uh, and to me, you know, when rental discs are actually worse than the retail product, then they're probably just damaging their image, because a lot of people might not even realize that it is worse, uh, anyway. There's a lot more I could argue on this, but I'll let you guys handle it.
0: Thank you, Billy. Uh I, I the, you know, the issue differs from from company to company, and some of them um are more some of them are more inclined and more prone to do this. It is a uh it's a problem with some of the Redbox releases and obviously with some of the Netflix stuff. They all, they, they all kind of approach the rental space in a slightly different way, which is to say that some of them figure, you know what, uh, we really don't want this to compete. If you want the, the top-end experience, we want you to think, okay, I've got to buy it. They don't want people thinking, well, if I, you know, it's a movie and I could stream it and I get the same sound quality, same audio quality, or I could get a DVD or I could rent a Blu-ray and I'll get the experience. They they really do want you to get the sense that if you want the optimal experience, you've got to pony up the money and buy this. And so that's why they keep it sort of down for some of the other media. I don't know that it makes sense. I think Billy's assessment of it is is right. I think they do hurt themselves because there is an expectation that, once a movie makes it out of the theaters and goes into the home space, that it should all be the same quality. I think we accept that streaming is uh, is going to be more convenience than quality, that you're making a certain compromise. But I think there is an expectation that discs, packaged media, all, have, all are going to be really presenting you the same thing. All DVDs are alike and all Blu-rays are alike. And that's not, that's not true. And uh, if they really want to play that game, they should certainly make it, make it uh, known to people. But otherwise— Well, uh, they want
1: you to buy discs. They, yes. they make the money when you buy the disc. Absolutely. When you go to Redbox and pay $1 for a disc, yeah. you know how much money the studio is getting? They ain't getting what they get when you spend no. uh, nineteen ninety five to buy the disc. The
0: profit margin on package media is huge. It's yes. huge. It's all gravy. They've already paid for the thing usually in, in theatrical— so that's the way they look at it. They want you to buy the, the disc. So, yeah, they probably should be more, more uh, forthcoming about that. But, uh, you know, that's the reality, I guess, of their business model. It depends on the company ultimately, though. It's, it's kind of hit and miss, and it's a little bit of the Wild West.
1: And by the way, when you go to Perry, Georgia, hit the Perry Antiques Trail. It's good stuff. Mm. Just saying. Nice. Way, yes. Putting it out there.
0: I like it. All right, Mark. Uh, I want to wrap up just with a few docs, and then we're gonna uh, we're gonna save the rest of the stuff for next week. Uh, Samsara is out this week. If you haven't seen Samsara, you probably should. It is. Um it is in the Koyanaskatsi tradition. This is uh, from Ron Frickey, who was the DP who did all the Koyanaskatsi and Pawakatsi and all the Katsi films. And Ron Frickey's been doing this, starting with, um, gosh, what's the, what, Baraka? Really, is the one that everybody kind of focuses on. Baraka's a big, bit of a big deal, and uh, he just takes his uh, his seventy millimeter, sixty five millimeter camera, and he runs around the world and he shoots all kinds of cool time lapse and kind of culturally innovative stuff, and uh, and it looks cool. And Samsara was, uh, it's not an IM. Eye- Max film, it's 65mm, it was released in 4K mostly which is kind of the way these things are going in the future and uh, it's out on Blu-ray now and uh, the only thing that I find really compelling about this, I don't usually like these films they get a little tiresome to me after about 40 minutes but the one thing I did like, did you see Samsara Mark? Indeed I did. Um, the one thing I really do like about uh, watching this is that it, the way that it starts and the theme that continues throughout the movie, there's kind of a, a Buddhist motif here and a little bit it's, you, you can extrapolate and go well it's, you know, it's a reincarnation or whatever but Ron Fricky at one point was attached to direct the big screen adaptation of Robert Bolt's unfilmed Buddha script. Do you know this history?
1: All I know is this. Yeah. If it's Robert Bolt, you know it.
0: Damn straight. Uh, and now
1: Wade is about to bore us. Well, with a no. Story about Robert, how Robert Bolt wrote something that never
0: got made. Robert Bolt probably wrote a lot of stuff that never got made, but he left a, a, a biography of Buddha, a big screen epic biography of Buddha, which I've read. It's it's amazing. It's got like references in it to uh, books of you know mythical creatures. See page figure number right. He I mean he really researched the hell out of this, and um, <laughs> it was originally going to be directed by Bertolucci. They had a falling out. He and the Hong Kong company that owned the script at the time, and Bertolucci went on to make Little Buddha with. Uh, a little duda and you know it never went anywhere so the unfilmed Buddha script at one point was supposed to be directed by Ron Fricky with Jason Scott Lee playing you know Prince Siddhartha otherwise known as the Buddha it never happened for whatever reason nobody wanted to get behind that movie so it's, it's a dead film dead project for the, for the time being but you could see in some ways in Samsara what Ron Fricky's vision would have been for that film And then we also got uh, a couple of others here, Uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, Three Men Go to War from PBS, and Putin's Kiss, which actually um, I have a lot of fondness for Putin's Kiss. Did you see this? I did not. You didn't? I just want to say Putin is an evil, evil man, and um, this film is a very personal documentary that gets into the essence of of just how evil he really is. That whole um, poisoning incident in London. Oh, that was terrible. Yeah, that almost happened to me. And I'm not kidding, yes. uh, Christy and I were actually in London at that time having lunch on that street three doors down from the sushi restaurant at a Thai restaurant with a friend of mine who's a London filmmaker. And we were there at that time. We were literally doors away. So I could have been polonium poisoned by Putin.
1: But how do you feel? Now be honest.
0: Seriously. When, we, when And that story broke right before we left London and I thought you've got to be kidding me. Really? Seriously. Like if we had said, if I were a sushi fan and we had said, why don't we go for sushi? I literally could have rubbed up against somebody who had been poisoned by Putin with polonium and I might not be here today.
1: I, right now I could be talking to a Composing film critic
0: you could be it's unbelievable
1: by the way what do you think about uh, Putin uh, uh, giving uh, uh, Gerard Depardieu his Russian passport
0: yeah. come on <laughs> he's think, a Russian now I, he's, I don't think I think it's all publicity stunt I think Putin's just doing it to uh, to make uh, the French president look bad and I think he's doing a good job so anyway
1: alright there you go there's the show folks
0: that's it see you next week